it took a community uh, of young people connecting with other people to create what we now uh, love and admire uh, um, you know, in, in the work of Casting Crowns. So if a community can transform us beyond our wildest dreams, why do we prefer to play solo as Christians? Hello and welcome again to another episode in our teaching series, which we've titled A Band of Disciples, A Band of Disciples. And this whole series intends to assist you to become a better discipler, someone that walks alongside other Jesus-like disciples and helps them in the journey of transformation. And uh, we assume that you are fired up about becoming a discipler uh, who uh, pursues the commission that Jesus gave to all his followers uh, from the very beginning, that we would go and make disciples, disciples who would live like Jesus and multiply Jesus like disciples. And the whole metaphor that we've been using throughout this series is about a band, like a music band. And, and roughly what we're trying to say is that building a certain kind of person is the goal of Christianity, just like a band builds uh, a certain kind of musicians uh, that live, uh, you know, and embrace and breathe and, and, and express themselves, not because they've learned some knowledge and pressured themselves to practice some skills, but because they see themselves as this type of people who live this way of life. And we too, as disciples, we are helping people to live like Jesus in the world, to live like Jesus in the world. And we've looked at, through, uh, at um, the discipling calling in the previous series. And today we're going to begin to focus on the discipling community. And we're going to look at uh, several episodes, about 10 episodes in that. And then we're going to look at the discipling uh, competency for every discipler. And in this particular series, we're looking at the idea of the band. So we talk about band of disciples. So the focus for the next few episodes is on the idea of band. And, and, and you would have remembered that in the previous series, we made mention that uh, communities of disciples and communities of disciplers are the best way for people to learn, develop, and be transformed into the very uh, image that God created them to bear. We say that we need a holistic discipling strategy that builds the person, builds being, uh, builds a, a personhood, not just constructs knowledge and modifies behavior. And communities of disciples and communities of disciples is our proposed way of doing life as uh, as disciples who multiply, as disciples who multiply uh, disciples. 
And you're probably familiar with uh, your own favorite band or a band in, in, in your region or a band that is, uh, you know, that have made it big uh, at a particular stage of your uh, upbringing or maybe even a contemporary uh, band that you're familiar with. Uh, whether that's a secular band or a Christian band, uh, you probably have your favorite music and you probably know the story uh, that is behind the rise of, of of a band that you admire, respect, or you enjoy listening to. Uh, I'm not really a, a, a musically oriented person, uh, but I'm familiar with the uh, music that is being produced by Casting Crowns. And if you, um, you know, made me listen to some music and say, uh, you know, uh, what are the technical things behind this particular song? I wouldn't have a clue, but I can enjoy a good song. And the story of Casting Casting Crowns is a really inspiring story. Uh, they started, um, you know, in 1999 as a student worship band in Florida. Uh, Pastor Mark Hall uh, and, you know, uh, attracted several uh, friends. He was a youth pastor, a, a youth minister, attracted some friends and they began to produce some music. Initially, it was designed as, as outreach albums. They didn't seek record uh, labels or anything like that, but their music, their CD, um, you know, back in the day when there were CDs, I don't know if, if you've got CDs right now, uh, um, their music uh, was given to a guy called Mark Miller, who was a lead singer in a, in a, in a renowned uh, band, and, and he took interest in that group. They had a really forthright type of lyrics. They, he loved their heart and the devotions behind it, and, uh, and somehow they started stumbled, uh, you, know, uh, you know, to get uh, this uh, Beach Street record, and they were allowed to uh, work in a particular studio uh, where uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman was there, and, and it's like, wow, they were mesmerized by the uh, capacity that they could, you know, learn from him and, and connect with him and listen to his experiences, and they began to produce uh, amazing songs, I, I believe, one of their first songs, uh, you know, that that went out was the fastest selling song on on debut. Uh, it was just incredible. I think it was around two thousand and four or so. Uh, the funny thing is that you read their story, and I watched a little bit of a documentary about the band, and the members are primarily, uh, you know, youth ministers in in some churches, and I think. Uh, uh, Pastor Mark Hall is in in, in a Baptist church uh, as well, and they uh, they at the moment they uh, they, they, they tour uh, from. Uh, you know, Thursday to Saturday, so they can stay in their uh, respective churches uh, during the week and on Sunday, so they can serve the youth. and And their heart is to help young people, not just mentor them to be artists, but to be a genuine uh, followers of Jesus. And this band can be an incredible illustration of what it takes for a community to shape who you are and what you could become. You see, if it wasn't for those group of people, you know, stumbling across Mark Miller, they would have had uh, no hope of connecting with more experienced people, getting, uh, uh, you, you know, publicized and their music being distributed so that they are well known now across the world. 
it took a community uh, of young people connecting with other people to create what we now uh, love and admire uh, um, you know, in, in the work of Casting Crowns. So if a community can transform us, Beyond our wildest dreams, they never even asked for uh, you know, a record label or, or, or a contract or anything like that. It, they stumbled uh, to this particular lifestyle. Why? Because of connections with other people that embraced them uh, and, 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 and helped shape uh, their music by interconnection. So if we know that a community can do that, why do we prefer to play solo as Christians? Why do we enjoy becoming an anana? Faith is private. That's my faith. That's my individual relationship with God. Don't in, you know, try to ask me too many questions. Don't expect me to connect with other believers. I can engage with sermons. I can listen to podcasts. I, I can read books. And, 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 and you know what? I, I can grow as a Christian all by myself. Uh, why do we fear? engaging in groups, in, in communities, in bands to grow and develop as followers of Jesus. Let me propose to you that there are probably three and maybe much more. You could come up with your own list. But I, I imagine uh, that there may be three categories that, that make us um, prefer to work on our own, to serve on our own, to grow on our own, and instead of becoming members of a Christian band of brothers, brothers and sisters, people who love Jesus and live for Him wholeheartedly. Number one is the fulfillment dream, is that we've been sold a dream that by ourselves, in the West, individualistically, we can, we can pursue our dream and the biggest thing is self-fulfillment, self-actualization. We, we have become so self-centered in our own view of life and Christianity because we've been bombarded with messages uh, through culture, through media, through uh, stories that have been told all around us that attempt to sell us this thing that if we become, you know, uh, wholeheartedly self-serving, guess what? We're going to have a good life. This is the good life. I don't want other people to interfere with my, with, you know, my journey, with my dreams, with my hopes. I can do it on my own. We have been sold a dream. Uh, I guess the second category that I often observe and notice in me and in others is that we, we often look for the factory uh, settings. You know, we, we're always looking for how can I get from A to B the shortest possible way? And, and we become mechanical about our own spiritual journeys. We don't, we, we, we think, you know, if I do A, I'll get to B. And if I do this by myself, you know, if I listen to enough, um, you, you know, sermons, if I, if I read enough literature, if I can, you know, get my thoughts around a particular uh, framework of Christianity, and if I invest uh, in, in, in a Christian or religious activities, I'm going to get there all by myself. We, 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 we become mass production of disciples, you know, people come and sit in pews, and somehow they're going to be transformed. And we believe that, uh, you know, industrial metaphor for uh, our discipling 
uh, endeavors. Uh, third category that I have noticed, and probably you agree with me, that it's easier that we do things on our own than engage in vulnerable and intimate relationships. So we have fears that govern our interaction, even in discipling relationships. We, we think, if I can avoid being hurt, if I can avoid misunderstanding uh, and, and, and potential betrayal, uh, if I can avoid environments where there can be tension and conflict, if, if I can uh, get away from relational contexts that, that are demanding on my own investment and emotional uh, you know, well-being, well, I'm going to avoid that. And I imagine uh, all of this takes place because we think we can do Christianity we can grow as disciples. We can be all that God intends us to be all by ourselves. So why bother? Why should you try anything else? You know, our culture tells us we can achieve anything we want on our own. And if that's the case, then we are bound to ask ourselves the question, why did Jesus disciple in community? Like, what, why the greatest teacher that the world has ever known, the, the originator of the Christian journey uh, in the way that he lived it, the way he embodied it, the way he multiplied it, how, how could it be that Jesus would resort to a community-oriented um, approach to discipling if it can be done uh, all by ourselves? Why did Jesus disciple in community? And the, the, the approach that I uh, want to propose to you today is that we miss out on the greatest possible outcome of our discipling endeavors if we let go of Jesus' most established vehicle for spiritual development and transformation. So I'm going to share with you uh, three reasons uh, and, and, and three things that Jesus uh, communicated about uh, learning in community, developing in community, connecting in community that may give us some clues as to the benefit of and an necessity of being discipled and discipling others in communities. And the first one comes from the very first start in the biography of Jesus written by Mark chapter 3, when it speaks about Jesus selecting those disciples. That's probably, you know, as, as, as way back as we can go uh, to, uh, to, to, to gain some insights about Christian discipleship. And this is what it says. It says, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Jesus appointed 12 people that they might be with Jesus, they in and they out, and that he might send them out to preach. That is to continue and perpetuate the cycle that Jesus begun and they would take on uh, the whole uh, discipling uh, you, you know, commission that Jesus uh, lavished upon them before he ascended to heaven. And we need to understand that Jesus wanted to create this Christian movement, the Jesus movement through community. And you're probably familiar with the concept that community comes from the 
common unity. The two words common unity. Jesus wanted to be a unity amongst people that will facilitate and launch his movement. And there are three metaphors uh, that, that, that we notice about what Jesus says about this community that may be helpful for us to understand why community is so critical in Jesus's way of discipling. The first uh, metaphor is family. The first metaphor that Jesus uh, uses of his disciples is the idea of being spiritual family. In fact, he's going to communicate in that very chapter in Mark 3 an idea of spiritual family that is going to blow your mind because often we say disciples are like our family as if family is, uh, you know, physical family, relational, blood relation family. Family should be like the ideal, and the disciples that we engage with in community should, you know, somehow uh, be a copy of that, like second-class uh, family. Look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter three, verses thirty-two to thirty-five. He's teaching in a house, and as a crowd was sitting around him, uh, they told him, "Your mother and brothers." are outside looking for you. That's his physical, biological family. They are looking for Jesus. They've come because they've heard some news about Jesus. Some commentators say, you know, they thought he was out of his mind. They wanted to take him back home. Uh, out of out of the uh, you, you know all these um, places of of influence and 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 the crowds that were looking. Uh, for Jesus, for insights and learning. They wanted to take him away from that environment so they can come back to his mind, so to speak. And then Jesus says, Who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. You see what Jesus does? He says, you know, those people who do God's will, the disciples, the people that are following uh, in my footsteps, the people that associate to God, uh, you know, through me, those people are my true family. He, it doesn't mean that uh, his mother and brothers were not included, but what he's trying to say, that this is the real family, and and the biological family, if they want to, they can be part of that, and in did we know that after Jesus' resurrection, uh, some of his brothers believed in him? So the reality is that the spiritual family is even more intensely connected than the biological family in Jesus' mind. And that's a freaky. What, what ideas come to your mind when you think of an ideal family? How is that helpful for our development? I would dare say that a child without a family, I mentioned this uh, several times in this series, a child without a family misses on healthy development. And we've, we've seen this uh, take place in psycho psychological experiments where children who were given the necessity that, that you know, the, the, you know, 
enough uh, care and shelter and so on, but they didn't get affections. Uh, uh, they were taken away from their families. Uh, they didn't uh, lead a functional, healthy lifestyle thereafter. So we know that a family provides for us uh, this sense uh, of, of, of belonging that we can't necessarily get from anything. It forms us. It forms who we are uh, through, uh, through uh, belonging. Uh, the second metaphor that Jesus uses in communicating uh, 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 about that relationship that he has with his disciples and the relationship that they have with one another is the concept of friends, the concept of friends. And uh, this comes in the biography uh, of Jesus's life, uh, according to John. Uh, and he says this in John 15, he says, Jesus is talking, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. The second uh, metaphor that Jesus uses saying, you as my disciples, you're a group of my friends. And most commentators tell us that the idea of friends here were, were, it speaks of friends of a king. They were the confidants of the king. The people that the king entrusted, they shared secrets together. They were connected through interaction and transparency. And Jesus is saying, to the disciples, we are a group of friends. Uh, you know, I could have called you servants, but hey, I don't call you servants. I chosen you as my friends. And then he explains why. He says, because I called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. And that there is a sense of transparent communication, entrusting communication, sharing of what he has and what he knows and who he is uh, with his friends. And I, I, I don't know what the concept of friendship uh, brings to your mind what emotions are evoked uh, within you when you think of friendship but I would imagine that in this case Jesus wants us to understand uh, that as community of disciples we uh, help each other uh, you know uh, we form each other by our transparency there is formation uh, through transparency family there is formation uh, through belonging we we change we develop uh, as a result of belonging to a loving family as group of friends confidants we we change and develop and are transformed as a result of this transparent trusting relationship and then we look at the last metaphor that I want to share with you today about this concept of community that Jesus established as his main vehicle of discipling. And it's basically the branches, the vine and the branches metaphor. And that also comes from the book of John, the biography of Jesus according to John and chapter 15. Starting from verses 5 to 8, it says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, 
you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying, you are my disciples when like branches, you live out this fruitful life. Obviously, uh, fruitfulness has two meanings. Uh, uh, fruitfulness means that character fruitfulness, the life of the seed appearing in the branches. So the life of Jesus, His character traits, His attributes, His qualities being manifested in His followers. And also the idea of fruit speaks of multiplication. You know that our fruit may be uh, much, may we, we have much fruit and lasting fruit. How can we have lasting fruit? That's fruit that keeps uh, being replanted. So as we continually multiply disciples, that multiply disciples, our fruit is lasting. And Jesus is saying this fruitful lifestyle, this transformation in character where you become, uh, you, you know, you, you, you bear the traits of Jesus in your life, His character traits, and the fruitfulness, the transformation into being a fruitful, multiplying discipler. All this happens in, in the context of being branches in a vine. That interconnectivity, that connection, that, 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 that mingling of life, that participation in life. We have common life between the, the tree and its branches. There is common life. The participation in the same life. It's participation in the same life. So if family is formation through belonging, uh, that, is, that is transformation of who we are as persons, as disciples, a certain kind of people through belonging, and friendship, it's transformation uh, through tr trust and transparency, then as branches, we see transformation as a result of participation in the same life, the life of the vine, the life of Jesus himself. And that is exactly why Jesus makes it utterly clear that he has no other option for discipling people other than this community of disciples that do life together, that have a common uh, life together. You see, Jesus, as the greatest preacher teacher, could have simply started an unbelievable school of disciples. Or he could have been the itinerant preacher that goes and transforms the world. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, you know, will lift their hand and, and make the decision when Jesus speaks. You know, he's the most incredible communicator the world has ever seen. If it was uh, relevant and sustainable for someone to basically transform people's lives through communication alone, Jesus would have been the most perfect communicator to do that. It could have been that Jesus uh, would have you know, facilitated a, a monastery type of a lifestyle where, where, where individuals were in a solitary um, environments, learning and reading. And you know maybe they would have had Google back then and would have figured out how they can actually learn a religious uh, knowledge and, and grab hold of theological depth. And, but, but Jesus didn't do any of that. In the reality of life, 
on the beaches, in the fields, in the marketplace, at homes, in the temple, in a real day-to-day lifestyle, in the lived experience, as people participated together in common life, they were being transformed And maybe they even didn't know about it. They didn't need to have an assessment task with multiple choice questions to to, to help Jesus realize how far they're going in their Christian faith. They didn't even know too much about Jesus. We hear that up until the very, you know, close to the end of Jesus' life. Jesus would ask him, you know, who do you think I am? And they were confused. But the reality is uh, Jesus did life on life with people. They participated in a life together that is the vehicle for spiritual development and transformation. And, and I want to pose to you that question, can a vine branch grow alone? <laughs> Can a vine branch grow alone like by itself? You know, you take a branch and you put it on the floor and you say, oh, you know, I hope that branch grows. A branch is meant to be attached to a tree. How can a removed branch bear the life of the vine? You know, Jesus said that if it's taken away, if it's removed, if it's thrown away, it withers. And the same thing for you and I, that we can only have this experience of growth and development and bearing the traits of the life of Jesus when we're connected like branches in a tree, like friends who trust and care and are transparent with one another, as family members who belong to each other and impact each other uh, through the way of being together and caring for each other. And that's exactly why Jesus said that a community is a way, if not the only way really, to bring about transformation. And that's what you want to do. That's what we want to do with the people God entrusted to our care. We need to make sure that we engage people in communities of disciples, not just talking at them, not just helping them read books, and certainly not only having one-on-one communication with people, but that within a community that of, of disciples, they grow and develop and be everything God desired them And as we look at uh, various ideas from education and practicality ministry experimentations, you're going to see with us some practical ideas how you can introduce people, disciples, to these effective communities of disciples and disciplers and see them thrive and reach their full potential in God. Thank you so much for your investment in people. We pray for you and we trust God to you you beyond your wildest dreams. Thank you so much for watching. Looking forward to being with you in our second episode. God bless you.